Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. Welcome back to my discussion with Richie Belmont about the politics of the various camps and organizations in Days Gone. Let's move on to Lost Lake. Lost Lake. Because this is the one that everyone seems to identify with. This is the one that if you ask anyone, they're like, yep, I want to live at Lost Lake. Like if you could choose who would want to live at any of the other camps. But it's not without its problems. I discussed on the podcast before Iron Mike's ideology and how it's sort of presented like he's a pacifist and he's trying to rebuild civilization and, and kind of looking to the future in an idealized way of like, we need to stop surviving and find a way to start living again. That whole theme of surviving isn't living, which is great and grand and awesome. Like, sure, it's been two years. Like, yeah, at some point you have to get back to having something to live for. But Lost Lake is not perfect. Iron Mike is not a perfect leader. Uh, he is an idealist and kind of out of touch with reality at times. It's also, although it's probably the closest that we have to modern society out of the different options that you have, it's not a democracy. You know, Iron Mike is a, is the leader, and he has Schizo is his right hand man, and he takes advice from Ricky and from Deacon. They're, I guess, kind of a sort of council of advisors, but honestly, it it doesn't matter. I and Mike is in charge. So how yeah. how would you describe the system of Lost Lake? Well, the closest thing that I have is it reminds me when now we're going ancient history, but it reminds me when uh, Rome as a republic fell, mm. and when it fell, the idea of the emperor. That wasn't really official. That was a word that they didn't throw around because the Republic really hated that concept. They, that's why they became a Republic, because they were tired of this idea of one person being in charge. Um, so when it eventually uh, fell apart uh, ideologically and it turned into what we now know as the Roman Empire, the very first person in charge was uh, Caesar Augustus. And he didn't see himself as an emperor. He had a lot of power like one. He had power like a king. He had a council like kings. Uh, he still had the Senate because you couldn't run Rome without the Senate. The Senate was like the most important part of that of that particular uh, society. But at the end of the day, all decisions were finalized by uh, Augustus. So when I look at Lost Lake, I kind of see it like that, where he's spouting, much like Augustus, he was spouting this idea of, uh, I want Rome to be back to the way things are, but it needs a help. So I'm going to hold on to it. Uh, Iron Mike doesn't act like him because eventually uh, Rome never goes back to the way it used to be. But Iron Mike, unlike uh, Caesar Augustus, was very hell bent on this idea of like, we got to go back. I want things to go back to the way they were. Um in the description of the camp, uh, I didn't write it down, but there is a reference in the map that says like this, you know, this camp wants to go back to the way things were back to like democracy or back to something like that. I might be wrong on the details, but that's sort of like the paraphrasing aspect of it. But I think the major flaw that uh, Iron Mike has is that he wants things to go back to the way they are. But the problem is, is that like, how do you do that in a world where the freaks are clearly in charge? Mm -hmm. That's what I mean when I say he's an idealist and that's yeah, kind of a yeah, downside. Like, I, I myself am, am an idealist, but it's not practical a lot of no, the No, it's it not, not, not in this situation, especially not in, in the in the specific situation that you find yourself when you go in there. You... Uh, you're walking in in the middle of a very tense diplomatic situation between Lost Lake and the Rippers. Mm -hmm. um, Iron Mike is convinced that he has broken a peace between him and Carlos, a.k.a. Jesse. And uh, Schizo is not having it. He's 
almost convinced and i was convinced too once i mean at first i was like well i don't know who the rippers are but uh they did burn my boy's arm Mm -hmm. and if you're telling me that that group of people is going to hold on to their end of this peace treaty no way dude no not in a million years not a fucking chance no and that's i had the same reaction when i'm listening to schizo say those lines up at the mine and that whole sequence it's like yeah as much as this guy is unlikable and like a douchebag he's spouting facts the rippers are not going to uphold their side of the treaty no and it's it's funny because even a clock is wrong two times a day you know and that that just happens to be one of the two things that schizo seems to be right about is that you can't trust the rippers you can't you can't do it it's not possible but iron mike like you said he's an idealist he believes that people can change. And I think that has something to do with, because uh, I was, you know, based on the episode that you did, two-parter episode that you did, um, I think it just has something to do with his own personal experience. Mm-hmm. He seems to have been a real son of a bitch. And then the massacre happens, and then he seems to change his tune. Um, whether he was a part of the massacre or he just happened to have been there and just witnessed the brutality of how people can be, I, I really do like the idea that he was a part of the I because I, you don't you don't change your mind like that just simply watching right. uh, the massacre happen because you already had that thought in your head and he would have presented it as like, you know what, the other group, they really wanted. He's very vague about describing what happened. So there's a part of me that thinks like you were that other group. You mm-hmm. saw the massacre. You saw how ridiculous it was in terms of the carnage, and you changed your way as a form of as a form of penance. And I think that may come. I, I, you know, it's not the Iron Mike episode, but he's a really cool guy. I like him. But in essence, like you would want to go all out on the wanting to go back to the way things were if you witnessed or you were, a, a, you know, a part of of that massacre but to people like deacon and schizo and I, i'm not sure how ricky and addy feel about it because those are like the main characters in lost lake they don't really well actually that's not true because ricky when you're in the dam she gets up and she's like hey there's a peace treaty hey and they mm-hmm. start shooting at him and deacon's like no fuck what are you doing you know? <laughs> you're a fucking idiot yeah that's probably like a theory why uh uh, Ricky's probably not where Schizo is, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> well, we'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah. um, so Iron Mike is trying to rebuild society and it's just not realistic in terms of like these decisions that he's making, like, oh, I, I he's a very he's pacifist. He doesn't want to have uh, war. But like the metalhead uh, in me uh, believes that if you uh, want peace, prepare for war. And that's like Schizo's mentality mm-hmm. of it. Um, and uh, they butt heads, you know, when you're sneaking to get the medicine, you can kind of hear the conversation that they're having. And Iron Mike's attitude about it is just like, I know what I'm doing. You're not in charge. I'm in charge. And this idea of uh, uh, of returning to the way things are, that's not how things were. If you wanted to call it a democracy in the most basic form, that's not really what democracy is, you know, in its classic sense. You would want to make a choice. You get everyone in the camp together. You present your values. You present the options and everyone has a say. But that's not what's going on. You know, Iron Mike is looking at kind of like a kind of like a father. You know, mm-hmm. he sees himself as the father and, uh, you know, the, all the campers are, you know, the part of the family. So he's looking out for the family. But you can't do that uh you you can't expect that type i don't know maybe i'm assuming that iron mike is not being uh practical about how long that goal would take to normalize things in this environment you know if he felt like thinking that the piece with the rippers was going to work no no then that was a terrible idea if he felt like if I could get these rippers to not attack us, then maybe, just maybe, we can get a dialogue going to sort of enact a series of change. Because I would assume that Iron Mike is the type of guy that's like change begets change. And that's kind of what he tells, that's kind of like the idea that he gives Deacon, you know, right before he dies, you know, you're mm-hmm. in charge now, or he says something like that. Um, Cause he sees a lot of himself in Deacon. Uh, 
maybe perhaps uh he sees deacon as like the kind of guy that that iron mike wishes he was like a, a like a hybrid of idealism with practicality like yeah Deacon's like a balanced the, nature yeah yeah deacon's not the kind of guy that would think that uh carlos would be okay with the well they, it wouldn't work anyways because the piece requires uh them giving uh boozer and deacon to them mm -hmm. which iron mike refuses right but is upset that he has to do that because he's like well i'm not gonna let one of my own away but i don't want you to fight us but it's like you can't have it both ways mm. you, you gotta make that choice and that's uh he's trying to be too much of a pacifist or too much of a non-confrontational person too yeah. diplomatic without sacrifice he's going full ass if i would make copeland's half ass <laughs> He's going full ass, um, but that's also a problem because you're you're uh, you're not seeing all options because right. his attitude of his attitude is simply, I make the final word. I at, at the very least he gives the impression that I get is that unlike Tucker, at least if he refuses your uh, uh, opinion, he's not going to tell you that it's stupid or anything. He he'll say something like, I understand what you're saying, but I'm going to do it my way <laughs> yeah and uh at, he, at least he'll be like but you know what you said what you wanted to say and i respect it you know tucker wouldn't even he you know tucker wouldn't even fucking say that part he'd just be like shut up keep working you know mm -hmm. um yeah let's talk about the counterpart to lost lake and talk about iron butte and the ripper political system the ripper camp. oh yeah the branch davidians <laughs> <laughs> So theological system of politics, that would probably be the correct uh, they're just, term. They're, 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 they're just a, they're they're just just a cult. A, just a cult. <laughs> they're just a cult. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't need, you don't, when you're a cult, there's, it doesn't really matter what political ideology you are. Like, I mean, I would imagine a cult is like, if you want to get there, I would say like, it's authoritarian, you know, mm -hmm. it is one person who's in charge. Uh, I would assume that it's easier it was e easier to handle because like at least a cult is at least not so at least they're going to be upfront about how things are going to be how they're going to function mm -hmm. and they're not going to unlike places like uh unlike copeland's camp or tucker's camp or you know uh lost lake is a the closest analog to what we are now because if i were to put it in a spectrum i would say lost lake knows that there's dirty things that have to happen but Iron Mike's not going to do it. But in our society, we need to depend on people who are going to do the dirty work. There's your schizo and his crew. Uh, Copeland's camp is like, we got to do what it we got to do what we got to do to survive. And that means scavenging. If it means taking someone that's helping you use bike because, you know, they weren't there to do it. That's fine. Tucker's whole thing is it's my way or the highway. We got to keep this camp running. That's fine. At the very least, uh, there's different levels of subtlety. When you get to the Rippers, I don't think they fucking care about anything other than what Carlos wants or Jesse. Sorry, Jesse and the Rippers. Uh, <laughs> that's got to be a Full House reference. It really does. I, I don't know. They, you, I got to ask them. It's like, listen, you're telling me that you named the guy Jesse, who's in charge of the Rippers, and that's not a Full House. I know you haven't seen it Full House, but I mean, I mean, you tell me, you tell me everybody out there in podcast land, like, is this a Full House reference? Jesse and the Rippers. Uh, we'll have to find out. I'll have to like ask some people who know some people and see if we can see if we can figure out if that was a Full House reference. I, I don't know if I'll get an opportunity to bring that up for everyone to ponder at it, but I'm going to, I'm going to shoot my shot on that one. Yeah. But, yeah. but, uh, you mentioned in the notes um a cult and and you write down like okay how do you control people when you're in a cult well you do two things uh you either force them to do it or they come in willingly and based on the ripper's way of thinking i would imagine that the people that choose to find the rippers are basically listening to what uh Jesse's saying, which is like, I want to forget. And that's mm. a really easy thing to do. Like, if you find yourself in a situation where you're tired, you're hungry, you don't know anything, you've lost everything, like the whole Lisa thing. I forget, did Lisa get 
captured by the rippers or was lisa did lisa join just like it that is unclear i can see both sides i mean i can see how that works it's kind of talked about like she was kidnapped but it is sort of implied that maybe she wasn't or it's certainly open enough that maybe she went willingly now when you do find her she's very distraught and they've yeah. started cutting her and everything but the cutting is supposed to be part of the initiation and not part of the torture. Because they do torture people to break them to get them to join. But I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that the, um, the, the mutilation is actually part of some sort of when you're accepting the doctrine. You choose to do it. You do it to yourself. So I, I don't know if it's just purposefully ambiguous or if it's just a little confused in the mythology and the lore of the the rippers it's it's unclear but it's definitely open enough that she could have gone willingly at least at the beginning gone willingly with them and then of course when she rescues deacon in the ripper camp she is she is willingly part of this and yeah. obviously there's the question of how brainwashed is she is she high have they given her drugs but she is well, willingly not enough part of yeah this. not enough because she does end up like uh saving you of some sort she does release you from the strap mm -hmm. you know you get yeah and then she once, then yeah. leaves because the next i mean you don't kill her when you blow up the dam she's gone yeah. um and then the next time you see her i think is when right at the end of the game where she shows up as a drifter and i like yeah. the idea that she sort of she is almost too uh strong to be a ripper because she starts out as kind of like a weak or seemingly weak everyone assumes she's weak but she's actually stronger than anyone gave her credit for and her joining the Rippers, it's almost like she she takes what she needs from that experience and from them and learns from it and is like, you know what? These guys, they're just running around doing the fucking dumbass cult thing. I'm better than this. Takes yeah. their strength and the, the experience that she's given and the confidence she's given and moves on and, and chooses, I want to be a drifter. This is the life for me. I'm badass enough. I can yeah, do I would. This. I would say that. I would say that uh, Lisa would be the better version of what Deacon is. Like Deacon's, mm -hmm. like way, like the way Deacon and Lisa handle trauma. Um, Deacon just wants to live in the past. And I don't mean like he wants to live like the way things were. It just the trauma of the past uh, clouds it's, how he handles life. Whereas Lisa, yeah. as as she progresses, she sees it as a way to uh, like focus herself to be a better person. Mm -hmm. uh, a better drifter at the very least so um that makes sense but to sort of go back to what you're saying jesse was a guy who was in the mongrels did something really fucked up for them to get kicked out they burn his tattoo uh his back tattoo out and uh and they and that's the story that i'm aware of in terms of who he is in relation to Deacon and Boozer mm -hmm. and the situation at hand. Just to clarify, he he's there was something to do with a drug deal and he killed a member of he killed one of his brothers in the MC. Okay. That's okay. that's so, what oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely a kick out right there. Mm -hmm. Um but okay, so that makes sense with his way of handling of control, where his religious doctrine is I want to forget. Of course you want to forget because you just got you got kicked out of of a place that I would assume that he valued the way they all do, you know, the brotherhood of being in the mongrels. Um, and that makes sense with uh, his uh, way of controlling people, which is like, we all have something we want to forget. Let's, let's just freak out, get low, or I forget what the third thing they keep saying all the time. Um, and uses drugs. Now, I don't know what the drug is, uh, some will say that he uses narcotics or something, but I do believe like that conversation that Schizo has with Deacon, he's like, I think I heard that it was PCP or something. And, Deacon uh, references when, I think it's after the Ripper attack at the dam, if I remember incorrectly, he says that they're acting like people he's seen in the past who were high on PCP or bath salts. So he's not yeah. saying they are on pcp or bath salts he's like this the rippers the way they act reminds me of people i've seen before oh, yeah, yeah that yeah. were high on these specific drugs and i think that is 
been misremembered by enough people that it's sort of uh, become part of the law that, oh, no, they're on PCP, but it's yeah. never actually stated in the game that they're on PCP. They just have a similar behavior. It's a real purple monkey dishwasher situation. It's just um, a telephone. You know, you play a game oh, of telephone. Oh, right, yeah. So someone says like, hey, um, I like cheese. And then you go through enough people. The last person just says purple. Oh, someone said purple monkey dishwasher or something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Simpsons reference. Um, so when you're in a cult, how do you control people? Yeah. Drugs works. Religious doctrine. That plus drugs, that works too. Because, mm-hmm. you you know, they're they're high enough to believe the, the religious doctrine. Uh, torture to break people. Sure. That's how you do it. If they don't want to follow... Uh, follow rank uh the uh woman that you have to uh uh, uh smother to death yeah you must ass- kill yeah i assume that that had you know i'm going to assume that it had something to do with uh them not wanting to participate or just in general like you torture to break people maybe not them in particular but if you're in the cult and you see shit like that happening all the time it'll break you you know you mm-hmm. will how do you not break when you see mutilation of that fucking level the act of mutilation itself as you mentioned earlier with lisa yeah that makes sense because it represents what happened to carlos you know he got mutilated it's almost like a new version of the colors you know the cut the biker cut the the idea of emblems and patches and a visual representation of of belonging to a brotherhood or to a society they do the scars and everything it's like they're all very similar and it's like yeah we belong we're we can instantly tell we're together. We're brothers. Yeah. And uh, it's also easy to identify mm-hmm. um, someone who's a ripper just based on the fact like their face is all mutilated or shit or the scars or, or something like that. And usually you can tell because they're bold, but I, I mean, right. I, I think that's a choice that they make. Uh, ongoing brainwashing. Uh, the the loudspeakers, that helps too. That's how you get perspective. uh Sorry, uh, that's how you get potential new recruits. Because mm, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. if you're if you're if you're a marauder and you're not quite sure, you know, it makes sense. It's the type of marketing that would be used if you were in a cult. <laughs> Never even know? thought about um, marketing in Days Gone, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, they do. well, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of publicity. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. I I think that they wouldn't. I think that he uses it as a form of indoctrination, you know. But in another, I mean. If you're if you're like roaming around, you're a drifter or whatever, and you're tired of it, and you hear this loudspeaker saying all the things that he's saying, you know, like oh, forget the past, get with us, get low or something. I don't know if any of the loudspeakers tell you specifically to come to Iron Butte or something, but uh, uh, you'd hear that all the time. And obviously, when you turn them off, like depending on what part of the game you're on, if you haven't met Carlos or you haven't found out he was Jesse. He'll say like, ah, oh, fucking Carlos, this shit's bullshit or something. Then after you handle Jesse or something, he has a different attitude. He mm. goes, ah, oh, Jesse, I'm so sorry. I really apologize. Sorry you know, for what we did to you. Yeah, I'm sorry that we you're still did fucking crazy. Yeah, you're fucking crazy. But man, I, uh, you know, I guess that's 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 my bad. I guess he can just feel attitude. a little remorse because he knows that he's he was a part of creating this monster, and it's like, yeah, he was a monster, but. I mean, how many people do you have to kill because of that monster? You know, how many lives has that monster ruined, including the monster himself? Yeah. And you got to imagine that maybe he uh, maybe he got rid of Jesse and he might have flooded uh, the area. But that doesn't mean that the Rippers are dead 100%. Right. There's like a mission uh, later on in the game where... The colonel's like, there's some weirdos out there. You know anything about that? And he's like, oh, the fucking rippers. Jesus, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, they're like, still around, definitely. Yeah. So you got to imagine. Okay, so there's there there's your uh, there's your there, there, I just thought about that right now. There's your like political aspect of it. Do the rippers go away because you got rid of Jesse? The answer is based on that level or that mission where you have to take out a camp that has rippers. It depends if they decide to continue being a ripper now you could have like a situation where they splinter off into different factions of rippers but the idea of like his his thing is um if you want to get rid of something like we try to get rid of rats so put them in a bag and fill it full of water so he thinks that by getting rid of jesse 
uh, that means like, oh, the Rippers are gone. And by accounts, based on what I've seen in the game, you only come across them uh, story-wise the one time with that mission. But I mean, you still see remnants of them. There's sometimes there's like a, when you go to like a Nero camp or something, he'll say something like, oh, damn, Ripper is still here or something. Yeah, there's, or a couple, like there's a couple camps that they still have, like ambush camps or whatever. Um, they're still around. And you got to imagine that uh, if people do believe in that uh, in, in that thing, because like even if Jesse's gone, that doesn't mean that that idea hasn't uh, disappeared. Otherwise, you'd have to kill all the Rippers. And mm-hmm. based on what I've seen, that's not the case. So you would imagine that, and this is all headcanon for like future ideas of like, you know, expanded universe of sorts. This idea, like maybe perhaps they didn't get rid of the Rippers. Maybe the Rippers evolve with a new leader. Maybe mm-hmm. you got rid of Carlos, but you didn't get rid of all of them. And all it really takes is someone like Carlos to be as charismatic and someone that they all buy into as like, oh, and it's a cult too. So, I mean, all it takes is a bunch of drug, a bunch of people and beat them up and tell them I am the reincarnation of Carlos and you'd buy it. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I would assume uh like the, i mentioned the branch davidians i mean that whole thing was that uh david koresh saw himself as the reincarnation of jesus christ so if you're in a cult and your cult leader died that doesn't mean your cult's dead that right. means that there's a new opportunity uh someone is going to fill that power yeah. void yeah someone is going to step up and be like ah oh, i got this this is the opportunity i was looking for yeah it's a va- it's a power vacuum mm-hmm. and in that situation all it really takes is one person who believes in it enough to take over and just because you got rid of jesse jesse was like a a type of person you don't know if they're going to come back and who's that in charge and are they going to leave you alone or are they going to keep the faith going like well it was those fucking mongrels that got rid of us so now we're really going to go hard and go heavy and that's just speculation you know i would Mm. assume that besides the other other problems that they have when the game is over but I would assume that that's not the last you see of the Rippers. Certainly the last you see of Carlos, but not the last of the Rippers. Right. Based on based on the idea of like, uh, who doesn't want to be in charge of a cult if you're in the cult? You yeah. Know? All right. So I want to move on to the militia. Is this a military structure, a pseudo-military structure, a dictatorship? What What is going on with the militia? Well, it's a little bit of everything, actually. Um uh, in Latin America, we had these uh, I, currently and in history, we have these things called military juntas, and they were essentially like governments run by military officials. Like you had like a general who was the dictator. We had a lot of that going on in Latin America. Um, uh, were you know Central America definitely in the eighties, in the seventies uh, and eighties, and South America and all that stuff. I, I I'm not too. Uh, well-versed in in terms of military dictatorships in other places but because i'm you know uh latin american descent i'm very well familiar with uh governments that are that are based on uh a military organization and this is pretty much the close this is pretty much it with the with the dcm i have a hard time saying the name uh the first name the d they shoot was it they shoots yeah they shoots all right there you go (laughs) Sorry, that's my shitty joke of the night. No, I like it. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so pseudo in the sense, I guess, if you wanted to make fun of them, like, like, yeah, sure, like, you're, oh, you're a military thing. Well, they make a lot of errors if it if they're going for like actual military ranks and insignia and and things like that. There's a oh, lot of like they, they don't things know. they do they, wrong. Uh, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs, but they're I've, no, neither do I. I. I'm just familiar. Well, like from a political standpoint, I'm familiar with this organization that they have, mm-hmm. where where like, um, traditionally in a in a in a government you want to have civilians running the government the military and the military portion and the civilian portion are hand in hand important in running a government but in terms of like everyone feeling a little bit better uh the citizens wise you definitely want civilian oversight in your military and you definitely don't want the military having that much power in terms of how your organization functions so in this case this is a classic case of uh of the military being in charge of of everyday government uh, stuff. 
uh, that was like the least smart thing I said, the stuff part. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't, okay, so there's certain aspects about this that I don't know. Is the colonel really a colonel? One thing I'd read, and again, I will reiterate, I don't know for sure, but I've read that he's calls himself the colonel, but he wears like the insignia of a general, which is different. And it's like oh, little so things like that. he just calls himself the colonel? You yeah, know, like, it's like oh, little things like that colonel. where when I say pseudo-military, I mean they're using a military appearance as like a facade of wrapping around oh, that, yeah, 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 yeah. a dictatorship or whatever it is. It's like that's the front, but it's not really they don't really know yeah well that's a classic militia too yes yeah, in, in the same way that he is a um you know he spouts religious ideas and doctrine and viewpoints but he doesn't seem to really know the bible even though he's claiming to have this sort of biblical view of things of what they're trying to do and even later on you know is sort of um kind of saying that we were sent by God to cleanse the world. And yet he doesn't, he doesn't know Genesis from revelation. Yeah. Well, it could be an act. I mean, it could be, it, it could be a gimmick because that's what I mean. Yeah. It's like pseudo military in that gimmicky way. It's like, it's a front. Oh, okay. I was taking it as, as I was taking in terms of like, are, are they kind of a military? Because I was thinking like, I've seen this, I, I've seen in this type of like a structure before in, in government where the military is the one in charge, but you're you're saying in terms of him actually knowing what he's doing, then yeah, I guess I could see that because I, I don't know those details where he kind of doesn't quote the Bible well or anything like that. Uh, I do like that theory that you brought up in a couple streams ago because I noticed that right off the bat uh, on my second playthrough when uh, when the doctor wants to go out on a run and uh, and he uh, and the colonel uh, denies him that. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes like, uh, now, most people would say, uh, no, we can't. You're a vital member of this organization. Or most people would go like, oh, most definitely not. That's uh, that's bullshit. No, no. But how does the colonel say it? He says it very uh, lovingly. And he says, like, I don't know. I, w I don't know what we would do without you. I, I think he says, I don't know what. I would do if I ah, asked I don't you. know what I would do. I think yeah. he kind of slips in an I, not a not a we, not the camp. What would the camp yeah, yeah, do yeah. without a doctor? There's... It's, I don't know what I would do if I lost exactly. you. Exactly. You're right. But the tone that he says it, any, any, any other conversation, like if I felt emotional towards a person, I would say it in that way. But if I was talking to a coworker, or a subordinate, because the doctor, or a subor is, oh, you yeah, know, below true. rank. Into no fraternizing, no fraternizing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think you mentioned that a while back uh, on a Tuesday stream. Mm -hmm. And when I played it again and I came across that scene and I was like, ooh, that's pretty good. Oh, that's a good theory. That's a good one. Because uh, you would uh, you would be the type of person um, much like Carlos, to believe in something much like religion or in Carlos' sense, like whatever fucked up thing he believes in, so much that it would probably make you... Because after his death, that's when his uh, religious thing really kicks in the high gear. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you followed that theory, I would say that the his whole thing when he unhinges in terms of, of, of religion is like you got to double down on it because... In theory, if you were uh, having a little fun with a doctor, uh, it would be uh, a punishment. Mm -hmm. uh, he would interpret it as punishment for his uh, uh, the way he would interpret it uh, was that he committed some kind of sin. And so the doctor had to go. And now you got to really double down on the religion to make that happen. Right. Uh, and then you would uh, cover it up by saying, oh, no, it's not just because of him. We need to protect all the important uh, individuals. You know, Sarah's got to keep in. Uh, uh, Weaver's got to go in. Yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. gets moved the into the arc yeah, at that point. The scientists. Yeah, that's that's what I want. The scientists. That's the reason. You know, yeah. no other reason. But, but funny, that's the theory. Not not to go on too much of a tangent. And and I just want to give a shout out to Spornicus Rex. He actually came up with that. that the only, didn't, ah. I don't know if he came up with that theory, but he's the one who told me about that observation about the way the colonel says that because i'd said that it's interesting that right before then sarah goes out on a run or sarah's say oh, oh sorry right after then sarah says i'm gonna go out on a run and the colonel is like okay 
And yeah. but the doctor wants to go out and he's like, no, I don't know what I would do if I lost you. But oh yeah, Sarah, the scientist who's trying to create what he believes is a mega weapon, what she knows to be a fucking cure for the virus. This is a world saving event, a world saving solution. Yeah, she can fuck off out in the shit. Yeah. Uh, not not to be devil's advocate or anything, but could it also be because he doesn't really take Sarah's option that seriously? But I mean, I think he enough, does. enough for him, enough for him to uh, have all these resources to have Deacon specifically be there to ensure that she gets what she needs to make it happen. But I I, I don't know. Like I, I I thought that as soon as Weaver starts saying napalm, or as soon as like Weaver's like project seems to gain more yes. wind than her. Then it seems like, uh, you know, well, worst case scenario, we get two ways of getting rid of the freaks. Uh, right now, worst case, uh, worst case scenario, we have one. Best case, we got two. I, I mean, not not to disparage that idea, but I'm no, just saying no, no, from- it's it's a fair point. Um, at that point, there is still the competition between Weaver and Sarah. Which why would you have that? You have two people that I mean, two for the price of one. Why would they make it seem like it's a competition? I, I think I don't know. maybe I it's think a that's science. Just the, I think that's the, the, the oh, colonel's the doc, yeah. view, way of encouraging people to work better is to sort of foster competition uh, between the two of them. But it's still very much like a whoever wins the competition, whoever's weapon uh, comes to fruition first will it's not specified but it's sort of implied that they will kind of get some sort of perks or something or they will win in some way and the other person will just get relegated to some shit job whether it's helping yeah. the one who won or some other fucking thing that they don't care about um because obviously yeah. for sarah we know that she's looking for a cure it's like fucking awesome her work is really important we was just trying to figure out how to dissolve styrofoam in gasoline and stick it in a fucking growler jug. While listening to a pretty sick psychedelic beat, you know? <laughs> While listening to his MP3 player, yep. How dare you make me go through that horror just for your fucking MP3 player? Ridiculous. <laughs> I love that I did, I did, I didn't, I did not get to the community college horde until much later. Um, because I, I was um, well enough in stamina and, uh, and health to be okay with like some of the hordes. So we get to that part. Where he's like, ah, go get and then I forgot that I had to go activate the Nero checkpoint there. And the horde was there, and I was like, Oh, you yeah. <laughs> and then what what a dick, you know, like as soon as I give him the MP3 player, he doesn't even say anything. He just puts on the headphones and he just tra la 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 la. Like, mm-hmm. do you know how many freakers were there? Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what it took? Do you know how many times you I know? died and reloaded? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know how many how many how many uh, stamina pills I had you know how many berries I had to forage to make this happen <laughs> yeah Deke's a cool guy uh, you know he's just doing his job yeah you know? um so where, where where are we on this oh okay so uh the expectation of obedience which is actually I put that in the notes that's actually a line from one of his his speeches he does say okay yeah expectation yeah. of well, obedience we're in a military I mean here's the deal even if you have no idea how a military structure works uh or if you're like the most seasoned you know 20 level prestige on call of duty uh person um everyone knows that the military is highly disciplined and the number two thing that they all know about being in the military is you got to follow orders um but i would i would uh i would say that when he wants obedience, it's like on a level way beyond just the usual, you got to follow your superior kind of thing. Right. And that's um, where it, it kind of, the religion and the theology kind of, for me, come into play that it's, you're not just obedient to the rules of the, you know, and to orders. It's almost like you have to give your your being to them, give yourself, you have to you have to love the militia and you have to understand the uh, give the, yourself the, to a higher power kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And it's like the, what is the word power I'm looking power. for? Like the morals of it. You have to you live up to the, the ideals and the, and the principles. And, yeah. You know. Cause he has that whole speech about um, he talked several times actually about how, you know, we don't want the thieves and the rapists and the murderers and the drug addicts and this and that and blah, blah, blah. 
and from the old world or again now. So there's that whole idea of like, you could have been like that before and we don't want you. And if you're like that now, we don't want you. Like you have to be obedient to the principles of the militia. But there's also that double standard that, you know, Deacon has killed people, um, you know, and a lot of the people that he lets into the camp are thieves, murderers, rapists, drug addicts, you know, bad elements. These are the people that have survived in this world. So it's like, how but he gets you... a pa- he gets a pass though cuz he's a he's a veteran. I mean right. he he gets a pass because he he was a soldier at one point. Yeah. And he likes that. You can tell. Like there's this like uh, there's like this glee in him when uh cuz he doesn't have that with uh, uh what did you say her name was Cynthia the, uh, the Crystal. Prisoner? Crystal, sorry. Yeah, he doesn't have that. Like he already knows like oh you're you you are a fucking heathen according to him. Yeah. Uh and then Deacon, you know, uh Tell me, tell me you uh, you serve, and I'll know if you lie. And you know he makes that joke like he hates it. It's like, oh yeah, I hated every year of it. And he's like, ha ha ha, kind of thing. So, um, which is probably how uh, uh, the captain probably got in his good graces because he also fought. Mm-hmm. He has like a strong affinity. Well, if you're in a, if you created your own military. You're gonna really like people that were actually in the military. You know, yeah. you value He's probably those like fanboying a little bit. Yeah, which, by the way, that's why I asked. I'm like, is he really a colonel? Like, did he actually uh, fight or something? Because he's got like a weird. Um, I watched a lot of Mash, and so uh, here we go with the man. <laughs> uh, you basing your watched, entire knowledge of the military on Mash. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, no, everything I learned, I learned in Mash. But like uh, in 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 the movie and in the TV show. You get these people that were not in the military, but because they are, for some reason, they get higher ranks. Like they get colonel when they were a doctor or or something like that. Like mm. they're, they're not colonels or captains because uh, because they were in the army. And there, there's some certain people in the show that were like that. But the ones that were given that high rank and they weren't, they have this attitude like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a colonel. Yeah, you got to do what I say or something. That's kind of the vibe I get from from him. Is that like that's what I'm saying? Like when you're in a militia, uh, it's kind of hard to, especially in the apocalypse, it's kind of hard to verify that. Mm. Other than yeah, other than his so-called, I'll know if you're lying. I mean, he uh, didn't know that Wade was a drug addict. He didn't. No, he didn't know. He's got a terrible know. sense of yeah. judgment. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to to go back to is um, the idea of that expectation of obedience. In his first, I believe it's in his first speech. He says, any infraction, no matter how small, will result in being hanged. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any infraction. He actually specifies like that it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how small it is. You will be brought to the scaffold and you will be hanged. And that's a, and that's a total 180. That's a total difference to Iron Mike, who, whose whole reason for letting go of Schizo was because he wouldn't get a fair trial. Right. Which is which is bullshit because like, how do you not get a fair trial? Uh, what are you going to do? Like, I think you mentioned that or something like you're going to get people from, uh, from a uh, 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 hot Springs because they're impartial, you know, like, they're not going to do that. Like uh, this, I, this concept of like, I think he says it too, for some of the missions where I want him back alive so he can hang. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what do you mean? Like, you mean like get a fair trial? Oh, he'll get a fair trial. And then he'll and hang. And then he'll hang. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like I said, which is way different than like Iron Mike. Iron Mike's like. Gives everyone a second chance. He tells Deacon, if you come back, I'll shoot you. And then Deacon comes back and he doesn't shoot him. Gives him a second chance, puts him in a very powerful position. Yeah. And uh, I would assume, obviously, a situation like what Taylor does. I mean, he does kill the doctor. Mm-hmm. That's a serious infraction. Like, obviously, uh, Kills I, 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 I feel weird using that as an example. Of like, oh, the colonel is too far. Like, yeah, that that's a serious thing. But the idea of what Taylor says, I don't want to hang mm-hmm. because they'll, they're going to laugh at me. The, yeah. the, the, that speech I found the, the, so yeah. powerful. I love Taylor so much. I, yeah, I, I felt, although, yes, he did kill the doctor, I felt bad for him in that moment. I mean, his punishment is still death. Yeah. You know, Deacon still kills him. But a death where you are hanged is cruel. And where you are mm. hanged in front of a bunch of people who you know are going to be cheering your death 
maybe laughing at you that's yeah it just seems it just is the world does not need more cruelty i'm usually a person that you know there's that personality quiz thing of like do you value mercy over justice or justice over mercy i usually value justice over mercy but in the case of wade the mercy option was the better one definitely yeah because he's not asking because in that situation he's not asking to be let go he knows he needs to die he Mm -hmm. just doesn't want to die like that yeah and so i mean because he doesn't want to like he doesn't struggle Mm -hmm. like he pulls out the syringe he he knows he he deserves to die he deserves to die and uh and it happens and he did it on his terms um which i would argue like is it really up to it's not really up to him especially if he killed someone else but the uh, yeah i mean he knows for as stupid as they present him as um they present him as like way off what's he doing what's a guy like him doing in a situation like this i know someone like deacon could survive i know someone as cruel as the rippers could survive what the hell does in the beginning i was like what the hell does he bring what's he do that and i realized yeah he just he just sort of uh uh not to refer to schizo but like much like schizo he kind of skeezes his way through one event to another he doesn't join the militia because he wants to be in a militia it seems like they found him and he just was kind of like okay yeah sure whatever cool yeah i can ride this for a bit see what i can get out of it yeah and then he started like the one of the first things he says he's like "Ah, i don't know about this yeah i mean (laughs) he's a drug addict what we one thing we know about drug addicts is they're good at lying and convincing people that no man i need this money that you're gonna lend me to buy some food and then oh yeah yeah, no i'm totally gonna go and buy heroin yeah yeah it's uh it's it's basically like it's the name of the game for an addict is like where can i score more drugs Mm -hmm. and that classic uh uh I know I did something wrong, but see, that's what's so different about him is that he knows he did something wrong. He just doesn't want to die in the way uh, that, uh, cause it kind of breaks in terms of what the expectation of obedience that you said, like all infractions, he knows he's going to, uh, he's, he's going to die. He's going to do all this. He just doesn't want to die on their terms mm. and to feed and essentially to feed in the narrative that the colonel is presenting to the crew. Like he doesn't see himself as a guy who's going to uh, accept his punishment in the way of like, let's say Iron Mike would interpret punishment or justices. He sees himself as a spectacle. He's like, I know this is going to be a shit show. This is, this isn't going to like, I'm going to go over there and they're going to, they're going to talk a bunch of purple poetry about justice and all this stuff. I know I did something terrible. But that's not how you guys are going to use it. You're going to he's use this prop. as, yeah, he's a prop to his propaganda to continue the expectation of obedience. Like, yeah, I always do what I always do what I say, right? I mean, this is what I expect, and this is a way to scare people mm-hmm. because, I, as you said, like I, I didn't know it was any infraction, so that sucks too because it's like you're scaring people into obedience. Like, what you got, you always got to ask in that situation. What does an infraction mean to you? Like, what does count? What counts as an infraction? Because to me, it's like not following orders. Is that a hangable offense? Not really. I mean, worst case scenario, you get sent to go work in the labor camps for a couple of weeks till you get till you get the right attitude back. That's another thing I noticed. They have a labor camp too. Mm-hmm. They are also aware that not everyone is fit to serve. If I use the 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 parlance of their. If I use their vernacular, mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, Crystal is never going to fucking follow the rules or something. No. So she gets sent to the labor camp. And uh, you got to you also have to ask that question, much like Hot, uh, hot Springs. Uh, what happens if you can't serve? What happens if you can't work? And what happens if like it, when you're like Taylor, you can't even do shit except uh, the bare minimum uh what was his job? Oh, his job was to uh, watch the guard the, the doctors guard the yeah, <laughs> which is a pretty easy job for him. I mean, not because he's an addict, but because the job doesn't require much. You just have to sit there and make sure he's safe. You're in the middle. You're in the bowels of Wizard Island. You can't fuck that job up. No one is going to come and challenge you there. No, no so one you don't is going to challenge you. But just be present. Yeah, uh, but the fact that you have to guard the hospital means that his rhetoric of like obedience is bullshit it's already off the party why would you need someone to why would you need a guard to guard the 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 hospital 
if you know for a fact that everyone is going to follow your uh, lead to the letter, and if they steal it, wouldn't they be more afraid of being caught and being hung like you keep saying to everyone? I mean, like we're talking about hypocrisy of every camp. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the that's the big plot hole of this whole uh, structure that he has is that he expects everyone to follow his rules. But why would you need all this extra security if you didn't need to? I mean, the first mission involves finding someone who went AWOL and is doing really, really shitty things. Uh, and uh, their attitude is to simply say, well, he's not one of us. But that's real easy for them to say that because for them, like a true member of the militia wouldn't do this nasty shit. Mm. But as soon as they stray off the path, they are immediately to wash them off from the record and say, they're not one of us. They're, uh, they're heathens or whatever. We're us and that's them. As soon as they do something Strong really disgusting. Us versus them mentality. And it's easier to forget either uh, easier to either forget about them or in the case of what, what Deacon is good at which is uh, bounty hunting, mm-hmm. which is like, it's easier to send someone to go do on a bounty. If you tell them right off the bat, well, they're not one of us, you know? Yeah. Oh, wasn't it like, bring me back their, uh, bring me back their band or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bring, bring me back, back the their band. band or whatever. They're, they're really interested in bringing it back because you could do whatever the fuck you want, but I'll be damned if you're going to do it in our name. So they're more interested in the idea of what the militia represents as opposed to the practical application of making sure everyone is okay. Yeah. Uh, and there's yeah. also the us versus them is a really easy psychological tool to use to get people to stick with your doctrine. Yeah. If you just create an idea, you're, you're part of a club here. You're one of the team. Go you. Yeah. You're awesome. Aren't we awesome? And everyone else who's not part of our team, they're the enemy. Fuck and those it's interesting guys. That- it's interesting that that works on all levels, on all levels of every single person, like even the most simplest one, the us and them worked with the motorcycle club, the us and mm-hmm. them works in all the camps, the us and them in general, there's us and the freaks. And then later on, uh, later on, the freaks themselves, which I would assume, you know, when you know the true ending, they probably would see that as a pejorative, but then the freaks themselves probably have that attitude about us or the people. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, Dictator 101, uh, make sure that them is terrible and us is good. You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> I want to go back to something you were saying a minute ago about about the disobedience and the, I'm, I'm sorry, about the hypocrisy and how if you would need a guard for the doctor's hut, like you're your system is falling apart and people aren't really following the rules or respecting the power or they're not in fear enough of the repercussions of doing something wrong. One thing that's I find interesting is Corey wearing Sarah's ring. Now he's stationed at uh, Diamond Lake, which he, he doesn't really see the colonel ever. He's out over there wearing jewelry and jewelry is forbidden because it's all confiscated from them when they come in. He has a ring on that he wears, you know, it's, fuck it, it's Deacon's mongrel's ring. Like it's fucking badass big ring. You're not hiding that. Oh, dude, the look on Deacon's face when he sees that ring. Oh, my God. <laughs> the first time I saw that run through, I was like, oh, my God. No, no. Because that ring represents everything. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's, it's just, just on like, some hey. random dude's finger. And you're like, what the fuck? Who is this guy? What? Do you, okay, so what do you think he was thinking when he saw it? Did he think like, oh, my God. Uh, she met someone else or did she or did he think oh my god this guy did something to her because that look on his face is like yeah. uh, it's a really it's it's anger like it's a silent anger but I can't place my finger as to whether or not he's angry because he thinks she moved on or because she he knows that that means she was there or is here or something happened or something thousand like percent the, the latter thousand percent okay. he yeah. he thinks something's happened to her my personal reaction to seeing that was "Ooh, this is a clue you know we're supposed to think oh maybe like you say those two options either something happened to sarah at this guy's hand or she has moved on and 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 whatever i took it more as something happened to sarah and something happened to the people who did whatever it was to Sarah and were involved in some way. And some, uh, and, and then took- Corey is like somehow got the ring from those people. I thought it would be multiple 
layers. Like this is a clue on the trail. It's a breadcrumb on the trail. Yeah, because he does have that like him being sly about it, which is like on the way over, I think, to the college or something. He says something like, mm. hey, uh, whatever happened to your ring? Yeah, and she's like, and I was she's thinking like, like oh, I sort of, they took it off me. I don't really know. Which count, I mean, that, I mean, that's, that's accurate. I mean, that, I mean, that's why I was saying like how, how, uh, how paranoid must he have been when he saw the ring or something. Mm. And also I kind of eventually stopped thinking that way because I'm a cynic. I'm like this cynical bastard when it comes to uh, that part of storytelling um, but you know, uh, I would figure like, doesn't really see him that much. And when he, when she does, it's like to see what progress is going on and she probably doesn't even notice him that much to really figure. Cause she would, she would have noticed, uh, if she really had seen him that much. Mm-hmm. I mean, that ring is a big fucking ring. Yeah. You can't you know? hide that ring. You can't hide the ring. And especially and when then, they're all like saluting, bring their hands up and yeah. stuff like you'd see that. And how does the Colonel, uh, since you brought it up. How does the colonel? Uh, you would assume that the colonel sees him all the time. How does well, he? That's what I, I'm I know. Thinking. I know. I he, think he doesn't because they have the radios, and I think he trusts Corey to run Diamond Lake. And I don't think because Corey is kind of he. Oh no, no, they do. I'm sorry, I'm totally wrong. He is there with the with the colonel um, a few times. He probably puts a, he probably puts up with it in the same way that he puts up with his uh, scientists and doctors being uh, informal. That's mm-hmm. probably just his way of uh, I think it's appeasing a to the cap. It's yeah, kind yeah. of like a, an, a, but it's funny that it's like on the one hand, any infraction, no matter how small, will result in being hanged. But you guys can, you know, you don't have to use all the military lingo, and you can wear jewelry, and I'm going to hook up with the doctor, and blah blah. blah. And it's like hypocrisy through and through. I mean, you got. I mean, like like you said. I mean, you gotta you gotta ask yourself like how accurate is the situation if uh, i mean if anything by that logic you shouldn't have guards i think one of the first things you bump into uh that i always bump into whenever i go get my usual supply run or something in the camp is those two uh those those two uh dudes in front of what i'm assuming is like either explosives or something and they're like the armory. Hey, you're not su- yeah yeah you're not supposed to be here it's like well why are you giving me that attitude like this should be like uh this should be uh, a non-issue you shouldn't mm-hmm. be here just like taylor shouldn't be there to guard the hospital just like everyone should be according to him everyone should be functioning in the perfect utopia that he sets himself to the rippers don't even do that <laughs> the rippers don't function in that way in some strange way the rippers have a more handle on how to uh other than the hypocrisy that carlos actually does care about his past way more than he would uh want his followers to to care Mm -hmm. um because for a guy who's telling you i want to forget he seems awfully hung up on his past yeah he's hung (laughs) up on his past yeah which uh i don't know if that's the but apart from that you're right there is not a lot of hypocrisy in the rippers their 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 beliefs are a lot more simplified like they you know you were saying earlier about the the lack of nuance the sort of overt like yeah these guys are just a crazy fucking cult there's not a lot of depth going on but their system is uh it works you don't see any rippers breaking any rules yeah the the subordinates themselves no with the exception of lisa but i think lisa didn't really give a shit i think lisa's like the woke one that realized yeah. that this was bullshit too yeah so, but in I, the I don't know. in the militia it's like constant um yeah there's constant the horseshit. There, there's always bounty hunting go there's there's like bounty hunting missions where you're you're taking out people that either went awol yeah and uh that, there's your obedience right there, Colonel. What's going on? What, mm-hmm. What's his full name, Colonel? Uh, Garrett. The name's always his Matthew Garrett. Garrett. Yeah. Come on, Garrett. Yeah, yeah get your shit together, <laughs> <laughs> Colonel. <laughs> um. So one last thing I want to talk about is Nero, um, and their kind of ideology in this world. Okay, so a lot of this is speculation and like head head canon and head theory but i would say this nero represents the fed obviously they're the either they're the last organization that represents the old form order of what government was aka like the analog of our current government system or b they themselves 
because they're probably like the only group that had an idea of what was going on. Because I think it's the company that had the virus going on and then Nero understanding that. They're the ones that are doing the most work researching on the freaks. But if you got the 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 super super cool secret ending uh must be this cool to watch you realize that nero is essentially the final form of the freaks like o'brien is one of many i have to assume that are the evolved form and you got to assume there's got to be an even more evolved form if you can believe that but in my in my estimation of like nero uh, being the last vestige of the old order of what society used to be politically, they would probably interpret uh, all the concepts that we had about all the different camps. And the only perk that they have is that they are, for all intents and purposes, the new form of dominance within the society. So one of the things that uh, when O'Brien says, there's nothing you can do about it, he's basically saying we're going to be in charge now. And uh, again, I'm not a speculator. I'm not going to be that guy. That's like, Oh, D's gone three, D gone four, whatever. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to touch that with a 10 foot pole, but my estimation in terms of me analyzing this, as I always do from a political standpoint, at the end of the day, they, all these camps could fight amongst themselves all they want. In fact, that's kind of what's being insinuated because much like the Rippers, just because you got rid of the colonel doesn't mean you got rid of the militia. Mm-hmm. There's been instances where a big militia like that could splinter into different groups. You know, Captain Curry was probably like the only one that, you know, as far as we know, that had a level head on him and he got the fuck out there. He fucked off for a while mm-hmm. or whatever. But as much as they want to do all the infighting, Lost Lake is now the the sort of like the the coolest place to be in compared to everything there's infighting. There's going to be, I don't know, like civil war, like behavior within the other camps Um, because Deacon has a relationship with every single camp. None of that is going to matter if Nero figures out a way to organize themselves. And you have to imagine that they have because they have helicopters. That's like the one thing that nobody has. They don't have the kind of technology that Nero has. It's funny that they're called Nero because it also it ties in with the whole Roman Empire mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, they have they have what it takes. I would assume. I would be afraid of the idea of Nero with the higher elevated forms of freakers like O'Brien because that's the only one we see. And I'm assuming that the other scientists that he is like monitoring, they probably have the same affliction that he has. Mm-hmm. And the soldiers, too, I don't see any of their faces, just like O'Brien. So you have to, down the line, again, this is just head head theory or head canon. You got to assume that they're all going to have to uh, live with the inevitability that none of their ideologies matter. Because at the end of the day, all that counts is it's them, the humans, and the freakers. And now you got a highly evolved form of freaker that can talk. They have the same strength. And the thing that scares me is if they have a way to control the freakers that don't have that uh, uh, Mm. ability, you know, if they develop pheromones and the hive mind, if they could use the hive mind pheromone ability, game over, man, game over. Uh, But that's just me being a cynical bastard. Uh, There's a part of me that thinks that perhaps maybe as long as they have people like O'Brien in the area of the Nero situation, perhaps there's a way to broker a peace. But I don't want to think like Iron Mike. That that might be too <laughs> soon down the road. But but it is it is. But I would say that if you had a relationship with the Freaker, O'Brien's a pretty good one. He's a good one. Mm-hmm. He knows you. I mean, he knows Deacon personally. So he, he I seems, would imagine he seems to care on some level about what's happening. You just get the impression that he ha- he still has a moral compass. Yeah, he doesn't trust any of the other scientists. He, right. In fact, he uses, he, not uses, but he, I don't know, maybe he does. I don't know. He does maybe use he Deacon to get yeah, the intel. Maybe he does. Yeah, maybe he doesn't look at Deacon in the way that he would look at someone of his contemporary or yeah. something. I don't know. You know, it's, it is telling because it, it's it's like this guy comes to you and says, hey, man, uh, I, I've lost my wife. Fucking love her. She's gone. You have information that I need to get closure to figure out 
what happened. That's like most people will be like, sure, I got you. I can find that information out. What does O'Brien do? He says, oh, you got to do something for me. Yeah. He turns it into a transaction. Yeah, because nothing's free in this world. Yeah. All right. This seems like a decent place to end um, the discussion. I have a slight change to my usual wrap-up spiel. Every morning at around 7.30 a.m. Pacific time, you can watch me live stream my Survival 2 Fresh Start playthrough. I take on hordes, I talk shit about rippers, and I lay waste to ambush camps all before I've had my morning cup of coffee. You can find me on my YouTube channel, just search for Days Gone Podcast. On Tuesdays, I hijack the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel for a collaborative livestream playthrough of Days Gone. He goes into advanced gameplay tactics and strategy, and I discuss the story, characters, and all the amazing details of the game. You can find us live on the Spornicus Rex YouTube channel every Tuesday night at 6pm Pacific. And if you can't tune in live, both of those live streams are still available to watch afterwards on their respective channels. You can support the Days Gone podcast by leaving a review or giving us a thumbs up wherever you listen. That really helps the algorithm do its thing so more people can find the show. If you have friends who play Days Gone, please let them know about the podcast and perhaps give us a share on social media. You can also show your support by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash daysgonepod, where you can throw a little money in the tip jar if you're feeling generous. That really helps me with the overhead costs of running the show. And I want to give a very big shout out to Chrissy Cupcake for buying me three coffees and Basics of Pain, you're the man, for buying me 10 coffees this week. Seriously, guys, thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, Richie, this has been absolutely amazing. We talked for a long time. Uh, this <laughs> is definitely going to be at least a two-parter, but uh, this was fucking incredible. I feel like we really got into some good stuff here. So I want to say a super big thank you for coming on the podcast and talking with thank me you. about all this. It was a real pleasure. I really had a fun time. <laughs> you can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions, and counter-arguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out. <laughs>